Hello and welcome to C3 Newcastle City Podcast. It is our honour to host you and trust you will enjoy this message as much as we did. For more information about C3 Newcastle City or to connect with us, visit our website, www.c3nc.com. I'm not a traveller by nature. I don't like travelling. And um, so, you know, when the Lord... And, and so for me, to be a Christian in Australia, I felt was like about the best thing that anybody could ever be. And it took the Lord um, taking me to England. Now, just let me tell you about England. I was married to an Englishman. I had English in-laws. I was pretty clear on what England was like. Sorry, Peter, Hallie Burton and Jim Bentley. Um, but I didn't want to go there. And so, um, you know, that was really, and I can remember actually lying on the floor before the Lord, banging my arms down there saying, oh, I do not want to go to England. I don't want to go anywhere, but I definitely don't want to go to England. And, um, and you know, it took going to England to understand how amazing it is that we who once were not a people, we who once didn't have anything in common, we who once looked at each other and didn't understand you know, the language difficulties. And, 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 and Jim, you will know that Australia and England are two cultures divided by a common language. We're saying the same words, but they mean completely different things. Um, it took for me to go there to understand just how amazingly together the body of Christ is, how much we belong together, how we are family over and above the person even that you were born from or the siblings that you were born with. It, it, it took going there to understand that. And um, really, Australia is very closeted away. We, you know, we don't know a great deal about what's happening out there. We don't really care either, provided it doesn't come over here. That's all that matters. Like, as long as we can sort of protect this, you know. Um, but, so, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 has become very, very, uh, uh, has become revelation to me. The older I've got, the more I know this to be true. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation or a holy nation, if you live in England, um, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, this is the thing. Once you were not a people. Once you didn't belong together. But now you are God's people. Once you hadn't received mercy, now you've received mercy. I love that line in that song, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. That's a type of what it is to become one of God's people, to leave what was and come into what is. But I don't think that we always really get that. One definition definition of the word people is the members of a particular nation or community or ethnic group, a race or a tribe or a group or a strain or a nation or, or etc. Um, now... I want to ask you if you can tell me, like across the world, what is the average Christian? What is the normal Christian? This isn't a trick, trick question. What is the normal Christian? Pardon? Yep, they, that's what they do. But in terms of, uh, in terms of race, religion, well, not religion. In terms of race, colour, ethnicity, what's the normal Christian? 
Okay, all right. So just forget I asked you that question. <laughs> the average Christian, the average Christian in the world, the normal Christian, if you took a mean average of all the Christians in the world, the average Christian is a 30-something-year-old African woman living in Africa. The second average Christian after that is Asian. The third average Christian after that is Latin American. We, who are of European extraction, and Europe used to have the greatest Christian, um, the amount of greatest Christian demographic in the world, it is so far behind now. And that's because European nations, and of that I'm, I'm counting Western nations, uh, you know, Australia, America, New Zealand, Canada, UK, European nations are so well off, so wealthy, that we don't actually really need God all that much, we think. And so therefore, um, what we're seeing is that because we're wealthy, we think this is what a normal Christian is. This, who's sitting here is what a normal Christian is. Actually, normal Christians are um, hiding underground, standing up. Their church, they're having their churches are standing up because they're in caves underground. They're all packed in and they're standing there for half a day listening to the Word of God. That's actually the normal Christian. That's scary, hey? And so, but regardless of the external differences that we have, we are a people. We are the people of God. We who belong to the tribe of Jesus Christ are the people that have been redeemed. The, the sea split, and we walk right through it. That impassable, impossible barrier from, from death to life or from darkness to light got split externally from somebody else. It had nothing to do with us. It wasn't because we got really, really good grades. It wasn't because we're the bestly behaved person in our whole family. It wasn't because we're always doing good things or because we give lots of money or because we're highly intelligent. No, it was external. God came from heaven and he came down to take our, our sin on his life. And in that way, he split this impassable barrier and we walked from death into life. And we became the people of God, just like those people in China who are standing um, standing up because they're standing remotely in a cave listening to the word of God and singing in a way that we maybe don't sing. So the point of it is that God doesn't have any grandchildren. You've heard me say that before, but God doesn't have any grandchildren. Every person that is a Christian is not because they got baptized in a church somewhere and then everybody had a big booze up afterwards. Everybody who's a Christian is a Christian because one particular day they made a decision that Jesus Christ had to save them from their sin, otherwise they were sunk. Otherwise they would never get through that mighty sea and that great barrier. No one is a Christian because their parents were. You may, be, you may have been relating in that way because your parents trained you in that way, but in the end it was because you said this is what I want to be, or, or you didn't. And so every Christian has made a decision to be a member of that exclusive tribe. So we who once were not a people are now the people of God. And this is the thing about it. We are a people with a regenerated spirit. So we, were, we are created in the image of God. God doesn't have a body. It's our spirit that's created in the image of God. And when a person comes to know Jesus Christ, their spirit is regenerated. And that's what makes them completely different, a different species than everybody else who's just body and soul. But we have a regenerated spirit, and it's the spirit that relates with God. And so 
The church then is the most exclusive group of people in the world. We are the only people, we, people who, I don't mean people who got baptised, remember, I'm not talking about that. I don't mean people who try to live a good life and so they can scrape through to heaven. I mean individuals who by their own will said, I want to be a Christian. I know that Jesus died for my wrongdoing and I received that freedom from sin that comes from his death and resurrection. When a person makes that decision, they become one of the people who once were not our people, but who are now the people of God. Now, that means the church is the most exclusive group in the whole world. You can't belong unless you do belong. It's not by coming to church. This isn't the church. This isn't the church. This is the church. The people standing room only in caves, listening to the word of God, that's the church. And so we're the most exclusive group in the world. We're also the most inclusive group in the world because anybody can become one of those people. Murderers, gossips, abusive people, idiots, insignificant people, children, old people, homeless people, adulterers, politicians, refugees, stockbrokers, alcoholics, house husbands, pornographers, addicts, people who are trying their hardest but can't seem to get a break. Obscenely rich people, dirt poor people, intelligent people, people who can't add two and two together and get the right answer. There is no exam to pass, and none of us is rich enough to buy our way into that elite group. And so there's no criterion that you or I have to fulfill except to see that Christ died to save sinners from their sins. And I am one of those. And you are one of those. Just people. Just people. The moment you open your heart and acknowledge that no matter how hard you try, you can never be good enough to earn your own salvation, you become part of that community, the saints of God. Saints, we all think, you know, we've got Saint Therese and Saint Mary and Saint Peter and all that. They're saints because, you know, somewhere there's a proven thing that they never did anything wrong and they did some miracles. Now, that is not the biblical definition of saint. The biblical definition of saint is the people of God. The we who once were not a people, who are now the people of God, are all saints. So, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Like, you know, Saint Jody. I love Saint Jody. She's just awesome. You know, Saint Dave, Saint Damien. All, we, we're the saints of God, and so we made this decision. And don't say, oh, no, I didn't call myself that, because it isn't because you're so good that you've got it. It's because he's so good that you've got it. It's because he's so good that we can be a saint. And so we, you know, if we will know that Jesus died to save us from our sins, that we who once were not a tribe or a community or a people, a different species, that once we had nothing in common with each other, but now we're the people of God, you know, that's the thing that makes all the difference. Now, when I was a young Christian, which was a while ago, <laughs> eons actually, one of the primary instructions that we received about really being a really, really good Christian our instructions were about what to stay away from and who to stay away from. That was like, if you want to be a really good Christian, you knew there's this great group out there to stay away from. And that group included people who practiced yoga or Tai Chi or iridology or who went to a chiropractor or went to a homeopath or went to a naturopath. 
It's their new age, so we're not going to hear them, right? People who watched My Little Pony, you know, and Smurfs, Simpsons, all of that, right? Stay away from any of those people because, right. Now, some of you here remember those days, right? Some of us remember you just because you had to live it out, but, you know. And, um, and so there's that. But stay away from them, right? Anyone who followed a different religion, Hindu, Muslim, Buddhist, or anybody that you respected as uh, suspected of being a witch, because actually somebody might have told you that they were, because they went to a chiropractor. Or, um, <laughs> you stay away from them as well, and atheists, and Roman Catholics, and Seventh Day Adventists. And don't even get me started about tattoos. Like you know, stay, you've got to stay away from all those people. And now let me tell you this: that teaching. No, there were some of us who subscribed to that, right? I was a new Christian, and so, what did I know, you know? Um, I even know people who still believe that, so that's what makes it really, really horrible. But the teaching of those times was heresy. It was heresy. And I'll tell you why it was heresy, because it was built on the premise that we were the clean, and everybody else was the unclean. And therefore... It was vital that the clean didn't get infected by the unclean. And if we made friends with somebody that might have been a witch, who knows, we might become a witch as well. I mean, any of that could happen. And so, so there was that thing that was built into us. It's a wonder that any of us managed to hang in there past that particular time because what we believed was built on our collective pride and fear and fear of the other, which was still disguised as religious truth. So we were God's people, but we were very confused as to the why and the how, and therefore that showed in our prejudices and the way that we lived our lives. So let me explain to you why that was completely wrong. Why it loses the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because in the Old Testament, you know, there was a strict set of laws around religious rituals and around relationship with God. So the priests or anybody who wanted to bring the sacrifice to God had to follow strict laws if they wanted that sacrifice to be effective. So they had to wear certain clothes, couldn't go near people who were sick or dead, couldn't have sex with their wives. Some of them shaved their heads or fasted for long periods. And it was all in preparation to serving God. And if something happened, like they got gastric or their dad died or anything like that, it made them unclean and they had to go right back to the beginning again. Do not pass go, no, go back to the beginning. Because the unclean always affected the clean. So the clean had to go back and begin again. But when God came to earth as a man, he overturned all of that. The sinless one fulfilled laws that were impossible for us to follow and keep. And he did it by dying on the cross. He, he, he died to save sinners. He took on himself as he hung suspended on that cross, every single sin that had ever been committed from the beginning of time till now and till the future. Every, every sin. So when he hung on that cross, every sin that was ever committed past and future, when he hung on that cross, he was the rapist. He was the wife beater. He was the child molester. He was the warmonger. He was the prostitute. He was the trafficked person and he was the trafficker. He was 
it was every everything that we find most abhorrent and most terrifying and most wicked and most evil. Every single thing. Sometimes you read things and you look and you think. After myself, I try to stay abreast of what's happening in the world. But there are times when I look at something and say, I just can't read this. I just can't finish reading this. It's just too damaging on my soul. All of that he took on himself when he was like when he was on the cross. And so the point of that is that from that with the outpouring of every piece of evil onto a perfect being, a perfect human being, what happened was that from that point on, anybody who comes face to face with his sacrifice and accepts that it was done for us, accepts that our total inability to be good enough isn't relevant because he was good enough for both of us, because he was good enough for all of us, what that does is it means that instead of the clean being infected by the unclean, the unclean is infected by the clean. The unclean becomes clean. The unclean, for all of eternity, it's been turned around. The unclean is cleansed by its contact with the clean. God, I'm so grateful for that. I, I can't tell you how grateful, and I don't even know your lives. I know my own little life, and I know all the uncleanness. And I know that even now, when things happen and I find myself doing something I wish I hadn't done, that I can still go back to the Lord and say, but you're the clean. And I just receive your cleanness. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so there's this thing from for us to know, if we have the cleanness of Jesus Christ, there is no possibility of us becoming unclean by who we associate with Riches, new age people, chiropractors. They're not going to do anything to damage us. They're not going to take away the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm not saying if you go down to a strip club and have, have a beer with your mates. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we go deliberately with a revelation that we, me, I, who once was not one of God's people, are now is is one of his people. I can carry the kingdom of God with me wherever I go. And that means I can talk to the to the person that somebody else might walk past and not even want to notice. I can I can talk to people of other religions and not be afraid that something from them is going to get on me. I can talk to people who have no belief in God. I can talk to people who believe in space they're coming from out of base and and being out. I can talk to anybody. I can relate with anybody. I don't even have to argue. It doesn't have to be an argument. All I have to do is be carrying the revelation that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when they come in contact with me, something of the cleanness of Jesus Christ impacts who they are. And nothing of the uncleanness that they are will impact me. So Christians don't have to be afraid of catching sin because it's the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus which is infectious. And so if our intention is to represent Christ rather than the laws or the values or the morals or the ideologies, we're going to take our our cleanness wherever we go. And so people will know it and they'll feel it as we interact with them, regardless of whether we say anything or nothing about Jesus Christ. Because it isn't our good 
um, moral values or because we inspire trust or love or because we're so um, charismatic. It's because we have this treasure in earthen vessels, the Bible says, so that the excellence of the power that is in us will be from God and not from me. So that means I'm, I'm just doing the best I can, but they're, they're being impacted by something of Jesus Christ. We're never called to be moralizers. You know, what the Bible says, when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard. It doesn't mean, you know, placards that say, you know, we don't agree with what you're doing. Not, not that kind of standard. But are people who once were part of that and now are completely different. We who once were not a people, but now we're the people of God. And so we're called to be his people. There's a saying from a guy called Rabbi Zacharias. He said, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good or good people better. He came to make dead people alive. And we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and now we're alive in Christ. And that's then, again, it's not about how good you are or can be. It's about how good Jesus Christ is and what he did. And so one of Christian's greatest need is to understand that we personally are the recipients of a mercy that is overwhelmingly undeserved. And that's why and how we can take the fullness of Christ into every aspect of our lives and the unclean can be affected by the cleanness. Because you see, religion judges, but Christ lovers reach out. So the difficulty with keeping the revelation of being our people and God's people is that human beings love containers. We love to build boxes to identify ourselves and then to keep ourselves in. So Jesus then was an impossibility. He was an oxymoron, which means two completely different things that cancel each other out. He was lion and lamb. He was death and resurrection. He was a suffering God. How could God suffer? But he was a suffering God. And so that means no matter how educated or spiritually aware or intelligent we might be, we can't really understand God. We can't really understand God. We have our own experiences. And what happens too often then is that we build our doctrines and our culture around this experience. And we take what we know and we say to everybody else, this is who God is. If you believe that, you'll be fine. If you don't believe that, you're not a proper Christian. I don't know if you're saved. I don't know if you're part of the people. But there's so much that we don't know. And we don't know that we don't know. And not only that, most of the time we don't want to know either. And so we can't be bothered often looking beyond our little experiences. I tell you what, the, the church that I was part of when I first got saved, they despised degrees. They despised learning. They despised, the Bible will teach you everything you need to know. Well, actually, your interpretation of the Bible will teach you everything you already think anyway, and it will just ratify that. But I just want to tell you, for me, studying expanded and expanded, expanded, traveling expanded my understanding of what it is that we, who once were not our people, just a disparate group of, of individuals that were trying to make it through life are now the people of God. It, it, such a difference came to me because I found that out. And so 
If we don't look past our own experience of what it is to be a people set apart from the world, we won't get any understanding. See, because we want a box. We all want a box. A box is a great deal safer. But Ephesians takes it even further. Ephesians 3.10, it says that through the church, that's the people of God, through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God will be made known through the church. And it also says now, that now through the church, not in 1958 or 2071, but now, 2019, in April, now through the church, we will show the spiritual forces out there of wickedness what the multifaceted wisdom of God is. That's a very powerful thing. Think about the world's largest diamond. Think about all the facets that must be in it. You'd be looking at it, but you can only ever look at one little bit at a time. You can only, you can't see the entire stone. God's people are like that. We have so many facets, and no local church, no single church network can show all the facets. But together, the people, the tribe, the church across the world are able to show God's astonishing wisdom, not just to the world, but also to the principalities and powers of rulers. And those powers and principalities, by the way, are not the pesky little demons that come to try and trip you up and make you tell a lie or say something that you wish you hadn't said or steal or whatever the other things might be because, you know, that's just minions. Not the minion minions, but the other but minions, you know. <laughs> I, 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 this is an important thing to say because those powers and principalities and rulers of wickedness in dark places are the forces which have combined to determine to overrun our beautiful planet with ugly things like racism and consumerism and war and extreme political forces and violence and obsession with perfection and politicised religion and mental ill health and confusion and destruction of the planet. All manner of ugly destructive philosophies are what the church, the people of God, need to be showing in all their different facets, we're not going to do it like that. We aren't going to be racist. We aren't going to be consumerist. We aren't going to be overwhelmed with perfection. We're not going to be people who, who you know, who feel like, who, who, who are part of a sex-saturated society and feel like that's the norm. We're not going to be that. We're not going to be those things. God mandates his people to be different. Yeah. And we are his people so that our spirits are alive, the peace that is in contact with God. But then out from that, we, we are expressing the diversity of God individually or as churches or as the church. And so we've got a way to make that happen before it affects worldwide. But up close and personal, I want to tell you that there are millions of interactions happening right now as I speak when people are encountering Christians who know what it is to be our people yeah. and whose lives are being changed because of that. So right now we might not be changing the world, although who knows how much it's being changed by us. But when people are allowed to see a tiny facet of God carried by us because we're living true to our life in Him. See, God doesn't have prejudices. We've got such small paradigms for our faith. Remember a couple of times... I was preaching at conferences in um, Istanbul, and women had been brought from all across, um, from all across all the stand countries because it was too dangerous to be able to preach in their countries. So they 
women from Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan and Uzbekistan and all the other Stan countries, and they were all brought together, and they, they didn't really look like us. A lot of Western women had come to minister to them in different ways. They looked different. They had incredibly different um, challenges than what we had, but they loved the Lord, and we did too. And we stood and we worshipped together. And I met one particular woman whose husband was the head of a very large Christian denomination in Uzbekistan, and she was nothing because she was just a woman. But that woman had begun to reach out to Muslims. She didn't have a car, and Uzbekistan is a very big country. But she used to wait until somebody was going to a certain city, and she'd catch a lift with them, she'd drive for hours to get there, and then she would sit with a group of Muslim Christians. Muslim Christians. Women dressed in bias or perkins, who have no, no ability to get out of the system that they were in, and definitely no church that they could ever go to. But she was the pastor of all these little groups everywhere, all these Muslim Christian women. That's the church. That's the church. Believers in Jesus Christ, people who love the Lord, but whose laws, the laws surrounding them, prevented them from ever being able to do what we're doing, which is come to church. But that lady, she just used to, maybe she got there a couple of times a year, into that group and into that group, she was raising up Christians. She was, she was bringing the clean, touching the unclean, and the unclean was made clean. It was such a powerful thing for me. We who once were not our people are now the people of God. Our context of faith has to be deeper, has to be wider, has to be stronger, has to be fuller than what we have a chance to experience here on this side of heaven and also in our little country where most of it, if we could just keep it outside, we'll be all right. Now, God has called us to be aware. He's called us to care. He's called us to pray. He's called us to have ownership of the rest of the tribe. That's going to show you a group of people who are our people, people who are our people. Can you just flick that through, please, Gabby? This one is North Korea, where un underground churches are, are um, everywhere. And whenever somebody, a Christian, gets discovered, you know what happens to them? They get disappeared. That's what it's called. The Christian gets disappeared. And you never hear from them again. They, they're risking their lives in those little places. Next one. The next one is Syria. Churches just being destroyed. Those are your sisters there that are kneeling in that destroyed church. The next one is Pakistan. Pakistan, that boy's holding a sign that says, Stop killing Christians. That's our brother, that person there. Sudan, one of the worst regions in the world for killing Christians. China, people meeting underground because if they're discovered and seen, they're subject to terrible torture and death. Libya. These are our brothers. They were killed because they wouldn't say, I'm not of the people of God. They're our brothers. They're not a group of people with a different accent and a different language who come from a different country that we don't understand. We who once were not a people 
are now the people of God. And I, this, is the, this is the whole point of my message, this thing I'm going to say to you now. If you forget everything else, just take this. Do you know who's doing the killing and destroying? Because it's simplistic and ignorant and lacking spiritual awareness to say that it's other religions and other belief systems. As many of the people in most countries with those same belief systems are being destroyed. And in other times, it was so-called Christians that were doing the destruction. The destruction is being perpetrated by the destroyer. By the destroyer. His hand is over all the hatred and the vicious enmity and the bloodshed and the torture and destruction that is happening on this beautiful planet that God gave us to care for. And as soon as we narrow it down and say that a certain group of people are responsible, we betray our lack of revelation of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we betray our lack of revelation of our place among his people. Because, see, our enemies change. I'm old enough to remember that 50 years ago it was about communist Russia. Other times, I mean, there's all, every generation has a set of people to be afraid of, a set of people to other eyes. They are other, they're not me. Every generation has that. There'll always be another enemy for us to be afraid of and reject because we divide ourselves off by what our eyes see and what our ears hear. We divide ourselves off by skin colour and accents and financial differences. God doesn't do any of that. This is the point. There are two types of people as far as God's concerned. The saved and the unsaved. The saints and the sinners. And I already said, I don't need to tell you that saints aren't perfect people because you know what you're like. I know what I'm like. You know yourself. But saint is the name given to somebody who belongs to the people of God. Somebody who has been restored by God to righteousness, right standing with him through the blood of Jesus Christ. And everyone else are those who don't yet know that. You get it? Everyone else. Everyone else. There's us, yes, and there's them. But them isn't about their accent and us isn't about our accent. Saints and sinners. There's, there's the people who, we who once were not a people, but now we're the people of God. And then there's the people who don't know that it's possible, who don't know that even though it's a totally exclusive group which they don't belong to, that it's also a totally inclusive group which they can walk into just by the words of their mouth and the decision of their heart. We've got a responsibility, we who once were not our people, but who are now the people of God, to reach out and reach up, to reach through whatever bars and whatever barriers are created by mankind's need to be safe and connect with the ones whom Jesus died for but they don't know it yet. And this also is one of my favourite scriptures. It's a thing that talks 
beyond our fears. It's a thing that talks beyond our lack of understanding and our ignorance and our prejudices and our damaged perspective of who we are, even as Christians. It's Isaiah chapter 60 and it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, darkness covers the earth, and deep darkness the other people. The Lord will rise upon you. The Lord will rise upon you because you know that you are our people called by him, redeemed out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, is what it says in Revelations, to become his people. It says the Lord will rise upon you, kings, nations, nationalities, people who are different with different accents or maybe you can't even speak English. Nations will come to you if you know what it is to be the people of God and kings and rulers will come to the brightness of our rising. It's only just about revelation, to take ourselves out of our box, to take ourselves out of this is what a Christian looks like and if you don't believe that, you're not much of a Christian. And understand that God has called the church to be widespread across this globe, expressing Jesus Christ in every different way that we have so that the world can be changed, so that people, the people he loves, the people he always loved, he doesn't hate the other religions. He sees that they're just people who are looking for God and haven't got that revelation yet. We are different. We who once had nothing in common are now the saints of God, his people. And the challenge, should we choose to accept it, is to know it and to live it. And when we do that, when we do that, we will change our world. I should have said musicians would you like to come up, but I forgot to say that. Father, Father. We don't really even understand the depth of what it is to be a member of your people. We don't really get that. We don't really get it. We see our own faults and failings. We see how we're slipping and sliding. We see how we end up doing something totally stupid or horrible and we kick ourselves and we're afraid to come back and tell you we're sorry again because we've said sorry so many times. But yet, Lord, you said, as soon as we come back, you who are clean and bright and pure and righteous, you just lean in and you just say, you're forgiven. And we are clean and bright and pure and righteous. And we can go again. Lord, help us to get that revelation because if we can know that about ourselves, we can know there's hope for every person we come in contact with. So Lord, would you help us? Would you help us? Would you give us insight? Would you bring us in breakthrough? Because Lord, this world desperately needs you so desperately. And our, our, our obsession with perfection or with, our, or with all the stuff around us and our fears of the other, Lord, that's not getting your gospel out. But Lord, we want to be a people who make a decision this year, this year, 
I'm going to reach out to one person who is other than me. And I'm going to bring that clean righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to befriend them. And I'm going to help. And I'm going to encourage them. And Lord, I'm going to be praying like mad that they will step over that line and come to know you. Lord, that they who once were not our people now be your people. Thank you, Father. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and it was a great encouragement to you. For more information about C3 Newcastle City, visit our website, www.c3nc.com.